Well, good evening again, everyone. Uh, my name is Mike, and I am uh, one of the pastors here. And I get the privilege today of just sharing a short message from the Bible with you all about Christmas. Um, I come from a relatively big family. Uh, you know, I'm the longest. I'm the um, I'm the youngest, <laughs> not the longest. I'm actually the shortest of of my family. My brother's like six three, so um, I'm the youngest. Uh, of a family of four, and we have just, like, plenty of cousins. Uh, no one knows how many. We just have never got around to counting them all, but there's plenty of them. Uh, and what that means, what, what my big family means, is that I come from a rich tradition of epic family Christmases. Uh, I don't know what your family is like. I married into a smaller family, but I'm used to family chaos at Christmas time with just the amount of people that are around. So you can just... Maybe you can pray for our introverts in our family because they need your prayers uh, now more than ever. Um, Every family I've discovered, again, getting married into another family, it's different from mine. Every family has their own Christmas traditions. Everyone's got their own things they do at Christmas time. Um, It might be the the suicidal chermside shopping trip in the middle of the night. I've heard people do that. Why? I'd like to talk to you about why you do that. I have so many questions. Why would you do that? Um, maybe you're an Elf fan and you just watched that movie on repeat through December, you know, the Will Ferrell Elf movie. Uh, maybe you've got your own movie. Tell me about that. I'd like to hear about that. Um, it's the big beach trips and the, the storms and the heat and the, uh, just all the food, all the time. All the food, all the time. And so Christmas time for us, it is, for many of us, it, it's, it's a quite a magical time. We have memories, you know, we... We have all this nostalgia built up around Christmas time, things we treasure, our traditions, uh, the food, the lights, the memories, the, um, the same Michael Bublé album on repeat. Um, oh, and when you get sick of that one, you can go to the Mariah Mar- Carey album and listen to that one instead, right? Um, and we do it to ourselves because it's Christmas, and this is what Christmas is about. We're going to listen to that album more than we should, or at least Coles and Woolies do. Um, but... Is that what Christmas is about? Is that all that Christmas is? This, this stuff that we do every year kind of builds this nostalgia that we, we love and we cherish, and yet it just clouds us from the, the, the truth of what Christmas is about. All this other stuff is great, but it's not the substance of Christmas. At the core, if you strip all that stuff away, if you, if you hack it all back, what sits in the middle of Christmas is a beautiful mystery, a wondrous mystery, profound mystery. Let me read to you from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, This is Matthew chapter 1 from verse 18. Let's see the story. You know the story well. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So already the story has taken a bizarre turn. We know the story, and yet let's appreciate the bizarreness of this moment. Uh, Mary, this young teenage girl, is pregnant. And the kicker is, it's not by her fiancé, Joseph. We learn from Mary that an angel had appeared to her to tell her this would happen and this miracle was to be expected uh, for her. Uh, But it seems until this point, Joseph's been left in the dark. Or at least Mary might have told him, but how's that going to go, right? 
Um, so you can imagine Joseph's response at the news. Poor guy, right? His mind would obviously go to the obvious logical explanation. Verse 19 tells us his response, right? Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So I think that this, this verse is one of those verses that we get an insight into the character of Joseph. He's a good man. He does not want to be unkind to Mary. He's hurt, he's feeling betrayed, and yet he wants to save her any, any humiliation he can. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You say, well, that's a bit unusual. <laughs> yes, yes, that is a bit unusual. That absolutely is. The point of this is this is a pure miracle. This is a supernatural moment. This is a miraculous moment. Right? This is one of those moments where we see God the creator, the God who created the world, reaches down into his creation and just breaks the rules of physics, the rules that he wrote. He just breaks them because he can. He made his creation. He can break the rules of creation. This is what he does here. He does the impossible. The angel keeps talking. Don't be afraid to take her home as your wife. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then look at this, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said. So something the Lord had already said in the past through the prophet. He then goes on to directly quote the prophet Isaiah, writing 700 years beforehand. And this is the prophecy. Check this out. This is the prophecy that we see in, in, back in Isaiah that Matthew is saying Jesus is fulfilling. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And thank you so much, Elise, for already sharing us with us at uh, that moment. Um, they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So that is Isaiah's prophetic name for the Messiah. Isaiah's prophetic name for the Messiah is Emmanuel, which means God with us. What this verse shows us is that the whole Mary getting miraculously pregnant thing isn't just God pulling a stunt because he wants to. This is God helping us see that this baby is, he's the promised one. He's the one that was foretold. He is the fulfillment of this prophecy in Isaiah. Everyone should sit up and take notice of this baby because he's fulfilling an amazing, miraculous prophecy. And so, given the incredible story of the Gospels here, the question becomes, who is this Jesus? Who is this baby? Who is he to be for us? And of course, we find the answers. You can see them up on the screen there. We actually find the answer inside the passage. You see, Jesus is given two names. And the passage actually tells us what those names, why those names are significant. The first one is Emmanuel. And the second one is Jesus. And the passage tells us they mean God with us and that God is the Savior. God saves. He will save his people from their sin. So we'll take one at a time and have a quick look at that. First one, 
Emmanuel, God with us, comes from Isaiah. As I said, it's the, it's the prophetic name for Jesus. And what this, what this name is telling us is that God is not some far-off, distant genie in the sky. He is, um, he's, he's, he's not that kind of, he's not hands-off. That's some people's view of God is they say, well, you know, all of this didn't come from nothing, so there's probably a creator, but he's, he doesn't care about us. He doesn't care about people. He doesn't, he's not involved in, in the goings-on of his world that he made. He's just, he's created it, now he's letting it all play out, and what'll be, what'll be. Um, that's some people's view of God. But this name, Emmanuel, contradicts that directly. God with us. God in our mess. Emmanuel means that the maker of the stars decided to enter the mess of his world. He came and stepped into the broken world in order to redeem it. He took on humanity. He clothed himself in flesh. He walked among us to rescue us. Now, back in um, 1961, cast your minds back there if you can. If you can't, like me, just imagine what the world would be like in 1961. It was a big year for the human race. Guess what we did in that year? Some of you, I'm sure, will know. It was the year that we first spent, sent a human being to space. It's pretty cool if you think about it. The Russian cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin, uh, and when he's up there, he's famously quoted as saying, I don't see God up here. I take his helmet off, he might have. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and upon... Ret- up, up. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, it's a glass helmet. He can see out of it. But I take your point. Um, but upon returning, the, the, um, the Soviet leader at the time, he's, he, because um, that was actually never like officially recorded, but apparently the, uh, the Soviet leader at the time, it was a big deal, he said to the watching world, we've been to space, God wasn't there. Now at the time, 1961, again, if you can remember that, a New York magazine asked the brilliant C.S. Lewis, a Christian writer, to respond to, to this whole situation and said, what do, what do you have to say? Do you have any wisdom to share with us about this, this um, you know, mankind's first expedition to space? And C.S. Lewis was classically brilliant. His, his response was something like this. He said, look, the idea of mankind going looking for God in space is a little bit like the character Hamlet, Spending the play, looking for Shakespeare in the rafters of the play, right? He's, lo- he's looking in the rafters, he's looking around the back of the stage, and he's like, where's Shakespeare? He's here somewhere. And his point is that Hamlet's not going to find Shakespeare in the rafters any more than Yuri Gagarin is going to see God sitting up in space. <laughs> That's not how those two things are related at all. However, at the same time he goes on, he says, in a sense, there is a real sense in which William Shakespeare's fingerprints are just all over Hamlet's world. Everywhere he looks, he'll see fingerprints of Shakespeare. Why? Because he's present in every corner at every moment. The creator has his fingerprints on everything. So pushing the metaphor a step further, if we can possibly do that, we'll see how we go. How is it, if Hamlet's not going to find Shakespeare in the rafters of the play, how is it that Hamlet could ever actually have a personal interaction with Shakespeare, his creator. The only, only possible way, right, that, that the real person of Shakespeare, 
was to make in, was to interact with Hamlet as if he actually entered into his own story that he made. If he wrote himself into the play, so to speak, if he came down and descended into his creation and looked Hamlet in the eye and actually revealed himself, Hamlet's going to see him any other way. Christmas is saying, this is what God has done. God the creator, he's come down. He's written himself into the pages of his world that he made. He's entered from stage right and stuck up his head and said, here I am. Why? That we might know him personally and know what he's like. This is the profound mystery of Christmas. Tim Keller, he said it this way. He said that Christmas is not just about a birth, but about a coming. You see the difference there? It's not just about a birth. Every single person to exist had one of those. (laughs) This is about a, a coming, an arrival, a revelation. Christmas is not just about a birth of a significant man in world history. It's the creator revealing himself to us that we might know him. So who is Jesus? He is our Emmanuel. He is, our, he is God with us. Some, um, some 170 years ago, uh, one of the greatest preachers ever, um, Charles Spurgeon, he said this on Christmas Eve. So literally today, on this day, 170 years ago. It's always dangerous when you quote the world's greatest preacher as a preacher because you might get yourself like, fired um, in terms of like, you know, not as good as he is. But that's okay. Um, this is what he had to say. It was wonderful. So this is his name, God with us. He who made 10,000 orbs, each of them more mighty and more vast than this earth, became an inhabitant of this tiny atom. He who was from everlasting to everlasting came to this world of time. Believer, he is God with you. He is with you to protect you. You are not alone because your Savior is with you. Put me in the desert where the vegetation grows not, and I can still say, God, with us. Put me on the wild ocean and let my ship dance madly on the waves. I would still say, Emmanuel, God with us. Mount me on the sunbeam. And let me fly before the western sea. Still I would say, God with us. Let my body dive down into the depths of the ocean. And let me hide in its caverns. Still I could, as a child of God, say, God with us. And in the grave, sleeping there in corruption, still I can see the footmarks of Jesus. He trod this path. He trod the path of all of his people. And still his name is God with us. It is the sufferer's comfort. It is the alleviation of his misery. It is the rest after exertion and toil. It is eternity's sonnet. It is heaven's hallelujah. It is the shout of the glorified. It is the song of the redeemed. It is the chorus of the angels. It is the everlasting song of the great orchestra of the sky. God with us. Friends, God is with us, if you didn't get that part. 
He is with. He is with you. God with us. Second name here, more briefly, but just as importantly, the name Jesus. We learn from the angel. The angel tells us, means God saves. He says this. He says, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Listen, the bad news of Christmas, the bad news of Christmas, I don't know if we talk enough about the bad news of Christmas, the bad news of Christmas is that we all absolutely need saving. Merry Christmas. You need saving. (laughs) Merry Christmas. I need saving. Whether we like to acknowledge it or not, we all suffer from the exact same fatal, underline that word, (laughs) fatal human condition, don't we? You want to pretend that's not true? We are all trapped underneath the unyielding power of death and the unyielding power of sin. Friends, we need a savior. Jesus came that we might be redeemed, rescued. Friends, we have all rejected our maker. We've all chosen to live for ourselves. We've all chosen to love stuff, the stuff that God has made us, more than we love him. But Jesus came to put that right. Praise the Lord. Jesus came to restore that relationship that we have corrupted by our sin. In his own words, let me just tell you what Jesus says that he is on about. This is John 10. He says that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We're the they in that sentence, by the way. Jesus has come that we might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd, he says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Friends, Jesus lived the perfect life that we could never live. He lived it on our behalf. And Jesus died the death we should have died in our place and for our sin. Why? So that we might have life, have it to the full. Friends, Christmas is not about God trying to take something from me, but God trying to give you something. Jesus is trying to give us life and life to the full. This is why he came. This is what God is on about. This is why Jesus has come for us. Life and life to the full. The, um, the early church father, uh, Irenaeus, way back when, 1,800 years ago, famously said that the glory of God is man fully alive. There's nothing that gives God glory like when he takes someone trapped under death and sin and makes them fully alive. Who is Jesus? He is our Emmanuel, God with us. He is our self-sacrificing Savior. And that's the message of Christmas. And so today, can I just encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you love the Lord, and it's Christmas time, which means you're busy, and there's food, and there's stuff, and there's jobs, and there's presents, and kids, and and the whole thing. Can I just encourage you, don't, don't skip the part where you thank the Lord for who he is, what he's done. Worship him this Christmas. Don't forget the profound mystery staring you in the face. 
praise the Lord. When you sing these next two carols, don't just sing carols because they remind you of your childhood. <laughs> sing the carols like you mean them. Sing them with all your heart. And secondly, if you're here today and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, can I just say, I'm so glad you're here. We love having you here. Um, we think it's the best that we get to share these moments with you in Christmas. Um, so I'm so glad you're here. It's the joy of this church. It's my joy to, to welcome you here today. Um, but here's what I would like to say to you. Meeting Jesus changes your life. You might have seen it on our sign when you came in, right? Jesus changes lives. We believe that. We believe that. This church exists because that is true. He loves you. He has come for you. He wants to give you a new start and life to the full. And I pray today that you would receive that gift and that you would have a Merry Christmas. Let's pray. I'll invite the band back up while I say a word of prayer. Lord God, we are so thankful for who you are. We are thankful for the, the wonderful truth of Christmas. We thank you for the joy of the kids today. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to he heed the words of Jesus, who tells us that we should be more like them. Uh, Lord, with hearts eager to trust you and rejoice in your goodness. So help us learn, Lord, from them. Lord, you are our, our Emmanuel. Lord, we can't think our way up to you. We can't... Um, follow the rules well enough, Lord, to make our way into your good graces, into heaven, Lord. We, we need you to come down. Lord, you have. You've revealed yourself to us. We thank you that that is true. We thank you for the glory of Christmas, Lord, the mystery of God become man and dwelling among us. Help us to see the wonder of that, Lord, and to respond in faith and worship. Lord, for those who for whom... Um, Christmas is a nice thing, Lord, but, but nothing of worship or um, real significance, spiritual significance. Lord, I just pray for those people, Lord, today. Lord, would you show yourself to be glorious and beautiful? Would you help them to see uh, the wonder of Christmas this year, I pray. I thank you for them, Lord. Would you bless them? Lord, we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, who came for us, who loved us, who died for us. Pray these things in his mighty name. Amen. Thanks, guys.